You are listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. And this is A Baha'i Perspective. Perspective is a radio program that presents a perspective on life guided by the principles of the Baha'i Faith. If you want specific information about the Baha'i Faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org, that's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. Today you'll hear an interview with Dr. Juan Caban, a Baha'i who lives in Amherst, Massachusetts. He is the retired associate director of undergraduate admissions at UMass. I began our interview by asking Juan where he grew up and what was it like growing up there. Well, I uh, grew up in New York City. I was born in Spanish Harlem and lived there uh, for, uh, I guess, about 14 years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we moved to the Bronx, South Bronx. Mm -hmm. It's 111th Street. Uh huh. Uh, around First Avenue, which actually was an Italian neighborhood, but it overlapped with the Hispanic uh, uh, area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> my father had a cigar store. Uh-huh. Actually, he had several, and these were actually factories, so he, he made cigars. Mm-hmm. And uh, we lived there, and then we lived on 106th Street, 101st Street, 103rd Street. So you moved uh, often? We moved, well, not often, but we moved. And uh, when we lived on 103rd Street on Madison mm-hmm. Avenue, it was behind my father's uh, factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. His uh, store factory was in front, and we lived in the back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went to public schools there. Yeah. Um, public school 103 and uh, 72, mm-hmm. junior high school. Uh-huh. And from there, I went. Uh, from there, we moved then to the to the Bronx and. Mm-hmm. And I uh, had applied to uh, Brooklyn Technical High School, and I was mm. selected. And then mm. I used to travel from the Bronx to Brooklyn mm. and Tech, which was an hour and fifteen minutes each way, right? On the, on the subway. Mm. Yeah, I'm Puerto Rican. Father came in 1917, and my mother came uh, around the twenties, and mm. and uh, my, they were married in, in 2021. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the neighborhoods tend to be mixed. Where I was mm. living in 103rd Street, there were uh, Italian, Germans, uh, Jewish, uh, uh, Catholic, and, and just all kinds of people, and, mm. and Puerto Ricans, Cubans, and others. Yeah. Yeah, actually, when my father came to the United States, the, the Hispanic community in New York City total was uh, 50,000. Currently, I think they're about two and a half million. Oh my gosh! So large influx. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Best friends was German. His uh-huh. his father had been in the uh, in German Navy during the First World War, and mm-hmm. he was in the submarines. Mm-hmm. And he actually, um, I learned code, most code from him in, in uh, junior high school. Junior high school. Yeah. 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 Well, I was a Boy Scout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a Boy Scout. I guess twelve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the our Boy Scout troop uh, met in uh, the Russian Orthodox Church, which is on Ninety Sixth Street between mm-hmm. Madison and Fifth, and uh, <clears throat> that was interesting. That my first I- interaction with a totally different uh, Christian community, mm-hmm. and that was uh, interesting. Yeah, met in the basement, and uh, they also had a summer camp, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, they collected money for this. And it was the first time I came across a uh, phone bank. Uh, uh, requesting money, uh, and so I actually worked for them for the phone bank, mm-hmm. uh, and used to go pick up checks in the city and bring it back to the mm-hmm. to the uh, activity they had there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I went to summer camp. It was in uh, Anianta County in uh, Garrettsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I went twice, uh, and it was my first experience on a on a uh, on a farm. Uh-huh. And one of the things that they had, and the options that they had, was that you could spend a day on a farm helping out and doing that type of work. And mm-hmm. that's the first time I um, I pitched hay uh-huh. uh, with hayloft, and we did more playing around than we did pitching any hay. 
But uh, then uh, the breakfast time was about 10 o'clock, I guess, and he called us down, and, and we went, and I sat down, and the first time I've ever seen so much food in my life. Oh, really? They had a, a lazy suit of Susan in the center, and they had all kinds of meats and things, and mm. it was just unbelievable. Right? And that impressed me tremendously. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that they had gotten up at 6 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> had been working all that time, and so when they went to have breakfast at 10, they were hungry. Yeah, I can imagine. So yeah, so it was a, it was a really wonderful experience. I finally found out where milk comes from. <laughs> yeah, I guess the growing up in the city, you yeah, know, I guess you figured it grew. It came from the uh, store. <laughs> we had to go up by uh, by bus to Anianta. Uh, that was a long trip. Mm. Uh, so it was it was a, a good experience, and uh, mm. that was during the Second World War. And so uh, they were Russians, and we had to, we learned the Russian uh, army song, and uh, you know. <laughs> all that okay, stuff. so the uh, Russian Orthodox Church was the sponsoring entity for the Boy Scout troop. That's right. Okay, exactly. And yeah. so most of the uh, Boy Scouts in the troop were Russian Orthodox. No, no, I don't think so. Yeah. No, they. Uh, I I really I have no I have the slightest idea what the distribution of. Uh, of the scouts were, yeah, but um, it never came to my attention that right. these, these were not just kids from the area. They yeah. might have been, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Russian Orthodox. Yeah, they just taught you the Russian. Well, they taught all of us. It was, or whatever. You know, <laughs> in first world, I mean, Second World War. Yeah, was, everybody was gung ho for mm. the success of uh, Russia in in the war. Mm. So true. Yeah, was, yeah was, that's uh, right. They yeah. were on our side. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, how long were you in the Boy Scouts? I I made uh, first class, uh -huh. and yeah. I was in I was got maybe about two or three years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then interests went elsewhere. Well, then I moved to the Bronx and uh, wasn't in the area any longer. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, and then I was in high school. So yeah, traveling back and forth with no time for anything else. It, yeah. So I, what was high school like? Well, high school was uh, at Brooklyn Tech is one of the three exam schools in New York City. Uh, Stuyvesant Bronx High School of Science. Um, um, Hunter and uh, Brooklyn Tech. Mm. And so, um, it was interesting because, uh, I had gone through the junior, I'm finishing junior high school and I realized that high school, uh, was going to be a little bit rougher. Mm. And I mean from a social point of view because there are a lot of gangs and things. Ooh. And our school was, was pretty, there are little things that happened, but nothing. Uh, really bad, but in the high school it was much more organized, mm. and so I was I wasn't going to go to a regular high school. I, I you know I had enough difficulty with my academics, let alone going to a uh, a high school and mm -hmm. having to deal with social uh, issues. Right. So uh, I applied, and at the mm -hmm. time that I applied, uh, there were uh, I only had one option. Prior to that, you had two you know, two or three options. You could take a test for any one of the schools. And so it was either Bronx High School of Science or Brooklyn Tech. And I was always very good at my hands and mm. doing things and technical stuff. So I decided to go to Brooklyn Tech and, and I was accepted. Mm -hmm. And so now from the Bronx, I traveled down to Brooklyn, as I mentioned before, yeah. over an hour each way. So you commuted on the subway? To on the subway, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, noisy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what was uh, what was high school like? Well, I took the uh, electrical broadcast course, and um, the first uh, thing that I had to do was make up, because I came from junior high school, a mm -hmm. year of work. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, the like, select your major in the electrical broadcast. So in the, um, I guess it was the third year, uh, uh, I opted also for the broadcast aspect of it, and I uh, actually... Uh, Brooklyn Tech is a huge school that mm. takes up almost a whole street, eight stories high with elevated swimming pools and you name it. Oh my God. And a radio station, uh, WNYE, the New York right. City uh, educational station uh -huh. with the tower right on top. Um, and so we learned uh, radio techniques and mm -hmm. all that type of stuff, mm -hmm. mixing and, mm -hmm. and uh, recording. Mm -hmm. And they actually had a component for students from uh, other schools and even elementary schools where they actually put on radio shows. Mm. And they wrote radio shows and they dramatized and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so when I finished, I uh, had passed the second class license and the first class license. So I was a commercial radio operator, first class. 
Okay, what does that mean being a commercial up, uh, that radio means operator? You can, you can uh, uh, control radio stations. Oh, okay, so you can be the engineering. Aspect, yeah. yeah, the engineering yeah. aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I, well, actually, I, I also went and worked for a year uh, at uh, uh, Lewitt, uh, which is a vacuum cleaner. doesn't probably exist any longer. Mm. But uh, they were doing making trans receivers, which are transmitter receivers, which they would call, what then were called, later were called walkie-talkies. I'm finding now it's a little thong thing in the hole. But these are big boxes, which were, oh, maybe about 40 pounds. And they mounted them either on the trucks uh, or on the backs of the uh, the operators. Mm-hmm. And so I was a troubleshooter for that. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a year. This was I, after high school? or After high school. Yeah. Maybe after high yeah. school. Yeah. And I also went to City College uh, at night. Mm-hmm. And yeah. at the end of, uh, and I got involved with the union. And unfortunately, uh, 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 I, I, I was see, seen as a union person. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and I was. Mm-hmm. But uh, when the, the election came to, to have a union or not, I had a bad experience with the fact that the people who were running the union were talking about sabotage, things of that nature. Ooh. And that was my, my shtick, as they say. Right. So uh, I voted against them. I didn't mm. tell anybody. Yeah. But then uh, when they uh, lost, uh, my head was in the noose and I was fired. Well, how did they know it was you? Isn't it a private ballot? Yes, but they they just knew the people who were involved. Oh. And I was attending the meetings and doing the things of that nature. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I was uh, fired. Wow. And just at the time, it was the Korean War. Mm. So uh, the equipment we were working on was for the Korean War, and I, I I used to joke that, gee, wouldn't it be ironic if I found myself in Korea, and it was one of these sets, and it didn't work, and my stamp was on it as being okay. I mean, you know, well, little did you know. Oh, my God. But actually, I, I decided I was not going to go in the Army in its own way. Mm-hmm. I was 1A, and it was very hard to get a job after that if you're yeah. 1A. Right. So I decided, let's get it over with. Mm-hmm. I uh, decided I'd go into the Navy, and I went to the Navy, and I did very well on the exam, and mm-hmm. got to the physical. And now, when you say 1A, what does that mean? Draft. The okay. draft. Okay. 1A is draftable. Okay, so you, and then they have, you, know, so you didn't want to wait for the draft. That's right. <laughs> that's I right. I hear you. So, um, oh, so I, I passed all of that, and then I yeah. got to the last the portion of it, which was the physical. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I mean, my eyes would uh, wear glasses, so that was mm-hmm. one thing. And I thought my eyes would be a problem. No, that was okay. Mm-hmm. But I knew I had flat feet. Oh, okay. So I figured, oh, I'll cut my my uh, arches and see, you know. And so when a doctor came to me, he says, well, relax your foot. Relax your foot. He said, no, no, they're relaxed. They're relaxed. So he said, no, you, can, you, you can't be accepted. Uh, so he knew you were, you were trying to He knew to I was flat footed. Yeah. So I said, well, this is ridiculous. They'll take me into the army. And I goes, and, well, you know, why not? He says, well, you're going to be on a, on a steel uh, ship and, and all of that. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that was it. Oh. So I decided, well, I just got to get this over with. And I went the next day to the army. Okay. And I enlisted. And I complained about everything. I told them I had flat feet. And I had this and I had that. And it, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess they weren't as discriminating as the uh, the no. Navy. <laughs> no, no, they uh, needed bodies. Oh boy! So, um, so I, I entered and went to uh, uh, basic training. I actually, came up here the first initial uh, assignment, but then I went down to Alabama to Camp Rucker, and that was my experience with the South. I mean, oh, thanks okay. to the Army, I got to see a lot mm-hmm. and uh, did basic training there. And although I was commercial radio operator, I got put into the infantry mm. in heavy weapons and as a radio operator. <laughs> and um, no matter what I tried, I just uh, you know, I, I couldn't move out of that. And the, the whole division was the, um, um, the Minnesota National Guard had been activated, and that became the training unit, so we were there with them. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I tried to move into the uh, into Signal Corps, and there was nothing there. So I did my basic training, and I remember very clearly the cold weather. I mean, this is the south. This is Alabama, and that wind comes across, and it might have been 40, 40 degrees or fifty degrees, but it was cold. Mm. Uh, and so that might, you know, that's really kind of surprising for a northern boy. Uh, that's right. Complaining about cold weather in Alabama. Well, we, we're not dressed for it, and you don't have heated uh, places. You know, so you know, 
So we did the basic training, and uh, then on the way back, um, I uh, <clears throat> asked about being going at the Signal Corps, and I said, well, uh, the only thing you can do is, is uh, you know, uh, get yourself assigned to the to, uh, Signal Corps. So I had to uh, leave, and I came came back in to New York City, and on uh, while I was there, I went into the Signal Corps in Fort Monmouth, and I showed them my papers and all that mm-hmm. and they said that uh well uh we can't change your your uh, uh assignment but when you get overseas you should go to the classification officer and show them this and i'm sure they'll do something for you mm-hmm. so uh we went by uh train to uh seattle washington and uh from there we flew over to korea mm-hmm. not to korea to japan and uh, Tokyo mm-hmm. and uh, so I went to the classification officer and I said look I, met, I was at uh, Fort Monmouth and I said I should come to you and I should show you this and all that and so he looked at it and uh, he said uh, well no I can't take a chance I mean you've been trained in infantry and you know and so we can't change can't change that so you sorry mm. and so I wrote home to my dad I said look I'm going to Korea you know, this is you know, nineteen fifty-one, mm-hmm. and um, so uh, mm-hmm. there I was, and they called out people to go to overseas to Korea, and my name wasn't called. And finally, you know, I guess a day later, my name was called out, and they said, and then when the assignment comes out, I'm stationed in Tokyo at the U.S. Army Stockade as prison guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, talk about strange. I mean, they wouldn't put me in the signal corps, but they put me in as an MP. Figure that. So, uh, so I did. I I did that uh, for a while. I, at the same time, I applied when, uh, a couple of months later mm. to uh, officers candidate school and was selected and uh, sent back overseas. Oh, and selected, and I went going to uh, Fort Monmouth as candidate as a. As a candidate, and so came back to uh, to New York and uh, spent time with uh, my uh, family. But I should really go back and say what happened, which was really central to who I am now, mm-hmm. is that in Japan I heard of the Baha'i Faith. Oh, okay. And uh, I went to meetings there, Japanese, and it was, uh, it's a long story. Cut it short. But anyway, so I heard of the Baha'i Faith, and basically found that uh, this is what I was looking for. Mm. And um, so when we came back to the States and I went to Fort Monmouth, one of the things that someone had said is that as Baha'is, we should ask for uh, not be in a position where you don't have to kill non-combatants. non-combatants yeah. And so I did. And I um, I went to the, the uh, office and I told them. They said, well, if you know, you, we can't change that. You'd have to sign a, a statement saying you're not, uh, you're a conscientious objector. And I said, well, fine, you know, I, this is my faith and I want to be an officer, but uh, I'll sign the form. So I, I signed it. And um, that was during the McCarthy era. Mm. And so uh, there was a, this whole communist thing and, and uh, very few people had heard the Baha'i faith. So uh, it was. It, uh, they sent it on to the Pentagon, and uh, then uh, I also met with the commanding uh, general, board of inquiry, uh, and a whole bunch of folks. And um, finally, from the Pentagon, it came back, said uh, release on lack of motivation, return to point of origin, which in this case was Japan. Mm. And so uh, I. I then returned mm. and again got stationed in, in Japan in Sendai in, uh, with the 24th Division, which is in, in uh, northern uh, Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, uh, I, I went on temporary duty. Oh, I got a, oh, I transferred myself. I got, I arranged in the process. I went to the office and I said, look, look at my records and all that. And, and why can't, can't it be in the signal? I said, well, no, we can't do anything, but I'll put it down in pencil. Mm-hmm. Because they put it in pencil, I was assigned to Signal Corps and assigned <coughs> as a radio uh, operator mm-hmm. and actually repair team. And so I, I did that. Um, uh, I I was in that, and they sent us on temporary duty to for, to Mount Fuji. So we were there for about three months, and I was in charge of a repair team. Mm-hmm. 
I was a PFC, and these other guys PFCs also, but I was in charge. But wow. I figure that. Anyway, <laughs> but I realized that no matter how much theory I had, and, and some ex and experience also at Lewis, mm -hmm. uh, these sets are very complex, and unless mm -hmm. you go to school for them and learn exactly it, mm -hmm. you're going to do it from the manual, and that right. was just too much work. Right. So I decided that, I, and I had been a photographer since I was 16, so that was the other thing that was involved here. Mm. So I actually went, uh, and I was been shooting for, uh, like a camera and all kinds of things. Anyway, so I, um, I went to the section, uh, uh, photo section, and I asked whether I could get transferred, and they said, well, let me see what you've done, you know, and I showed them. I said, okay, so you transferred. So I transferred in. So for the last 18 months of my service, I was U.S. Army photographer mm. in the 24th Division. Mm -hmm. And what was the total year of service? There? I, was, I was three On years and 13 days. In the Army. Three years. It was regular enlistment was three years. If you were drafted, it was two years. Mm. Mm. Then, uh, well, uh, they finally shipped us to Korea. And so we were in, this, in, in uh, Busan, and uh, they sent us up to Taegu, which is an air base. And at that point, I actually uh, met a Baha'i, mm. uh, who was a, was a master, uh, master sergeant. And uh, another long story, but anyway. Uh, but just about that time, as we were moving north, there was a ceasefire, and that ended the hostilities. So... How long were you in Korea when that I occurred? was in about six months. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And then we were shipped back. And I came back to uh, the city, uh, mm -hmm. New York, and I went to uh, went back to school, college, city college, and I uh, majored in film. Because mm -hmm. I was interested in photography, and mm -hmm. the closest thing to that was a film major. Mm. So, uh, and I graduated in 57. Uh, actually, I was City College as a student, and uh, there was a Thanksgiving Day uh, dance, and uh, I had gotten involved with a Planned Parenthood, and well, at the time we needed some, and this is Planned Parenthood for uh, Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. and so we had Mario Gonzalez was a uh, businessman in, in New York who had been involved with this, and so as the work developed, we needed more help, and uh, so we had one young woman who uh, was with us, and so when this question came up, she said, well, I think I have a friend who may, may be interested in coming in and the secretary. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, she came, and I fell in love with her. <laughs> she was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. So uh, we did very little for Planned Parenthood at that day. <laughs> so we got married. Uh -huh. and um, uh -huh. okay. we, we got married in, uh, in the 56. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. and we will celebrate our fiftieth next year. Congratulations! On the twenty ninth of January. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations! Thank That's you. Cool. And then worked at Hunter College for uh, six years. I set up the audiovisual department then. Mm -hmm. And uh, then sixty three, my wife and I uh, were asked to go to the Baha'i World Center in Haifa, Israel and uh, serve mm. uh, the Universal House of Justice, the supreme body of the high faith. Mm -hmm. And we went there and uh, returned in 69 uh, mm -hmm. to uh, Amherst to attend uh, UMass. Okay. And okay. here uh, I was a graduate student, finished my I did uh, graduate work at NYU prior to... Uh, while you were at Hunter College? While I was at Hunter College, right. And, uh, and I had a master's uh, from Columbia University. Um, from 57 to 60, I guess. And how did you get that? I, mean, uh, I, I uh, uh, that was a teacher's college. After mm -hmm. once I started to work at Hunter College, I uh, then went on for masters at uh, Columbia University okay. Teachers College and mm -hmm. graduated there mm -hmm. and went on to NYU. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was there for uh, this is part time, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, about two years, and uh, in a um, um, doctorate in communications and education. And then uh, we went overseas. Mm -hmm. So okay, so your your doctorate studies were interrupted to do, right. to go to the right. Baha'i World Center. Exactly. And we came here. I already had a master's, so I was an instructor in uh, the School of Education and a doctoral student at the same time, and finished my work in about two and a half years, mm -hmm. and became an assistant professor, and uh, did that work for another five, four years, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I uh, switched over to uh, the admissions office, undergraduate admissions office, and served there for another 
20, 20 years mm -hmm. uh, as uh, uh, retiring as an associate uh, director, mm -hmm. actually interim director also. In the, in the admissions office? In the admissions office, yeah. graduate admissions, yeah. Okay. I was all, uh, all during this time, uh, I was also an adjunct professor uh, in the School of Education. I asked Juan how he ran into the Baha'i faith. Well, I was at the U.S. Army stockade uh, as a prison guard. This was uh, in Japan. Right? In Japan, yeah. The uh, things had become uh, difficult in Korea, and that's when the Chinese troops had come down and pushed uh, the Allies to Busan. And uh, so then the complement of the um, uh, stockade was reduced, and these folks were sent overseas. And so I was assigned, I had been in charge of uh, doc documenting the, uh, or mugging, the prisoners as they came in. These, these, all these prisoners were American, so it's a GI. Uh, it was not uh, uh, foreign prisoners. These are all... Okay, GIs that got in trouble in some right. way or another. Yes, a whole range of things. And so um, uh, I was then assigned to the actual uh, prison guard within the uh, prison. And one of the things that, that, that took place was that you had shifts of about uh, eight hours. Uh, and during that time, you were assigned to various. You could be in, in the prison itself. You could be a, a prison guard on top of the, count, uh, the wall. This was a Japanese prison taken over by the U.S. Army. And so it was a regular prison, as you think of prisons, with a wall, a 26-foot wall around the prison, uh, locks and all the rest of the stuff that goes with that. And so uh, I found myself on the uh, the wall doing night duty, mm. and um, and then I had time to think because all you do is just watch. There's floodlights shining, and or if it's during the uh, night or in the day, it's the sunshine and all that. Mm -hmm. So you just look, and the chance of getting out of that place is impossible. So. Mm. And I thought about a lot of things. I thought about all my life and experiences. Mm. And, and various things. And I had come to religion. And mm -hmm. I grew up, my, my uncle was a Lutheran minister. My, we were uh, Lutherans. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really practice very much. I didn't go to church and any of these things. Mm -hmm. And I had the, the New York City religion, which is basically you turn on the radio on Sunday, you hear a sermon of some sort, and that's about it. But attending uh, church is not, not my thing. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but I decided that I, I, I believe in God. That mm -hmm. was one of the first things I did. And that um, now, how did how did that happen? Well, I just, just my, my my exposure to to people in the city, and mm -hmm. uh, all these uh, various uh, uh, the basic ones were, were Jewish and Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have any contact with Muslims, mm -hmm. but uh, the thing that I noticed about the various uh, either uh, religions mm -hmm. or uh, sub units of them was that they were good and and, and even bad or uh, not so good from people. They were just a range. And so, but, so therefore they were good and bad everywhere. And the thing that I, that I was really interested in was that what was the relationship between all these religions? I mean, you know, why the various religions? And so that was a question that was in my mind. Mm. Um, but I concluded, one, that I did believe in God, whatever God it was. And two, that I wanted to belong to some group. And, and until I could find that, I'd find, guide myself by the Ten Commandments. Mm. Well, about a week later, after I concluded this, mm. I'm in the barbershop and I had my hair cut. And it's the first time I had, had ever had my hair cut by a woman. Mm. And it turned out that uh, there was a Japanese barber who lived in Yokohama, and his daughter uh, worked with him. Mm -hmm. And as I was seated there, uh, the Japanese barber was talking to a GI. And G.I. was saying that he had a ring that he wanted refaced, and it was a chip, and something happened, and um, that uh, it was Baha'i, and I never heard about Baha'i. And so, um, yes. but one thing I did know about him, he, he had been pointed out to me that he was different, and he was from the West Coast. And I said, West Coast, different? Must be some kooky religion. I mean, phew. Anyway, so I, we're getting up. I, I get up, and we're leaving at the same time. So I was, I'm putting my jacket on. I asked him, uh, "What is Baha'i? What do Baha'is believe in?" He said, well, "Baha'is believe in this and this." And I said, "Well, I believe in that. I believe in that. Never thought about that, but I have nothing against that." And so uh, I said, "Well, do you have anything to read?" And he said, "Sure, I'll, I'll get you a book." 
And he did. He got me a book known as Ballard um, New Era by SMR. And that night I was on duty and I read by the searchlight. And then I came across Progressive Revelation, which explains this uh, difference that takes place. It's a natural mm-hmm. development, like uh, stages of school, and that God sends a messenger to mankind mm-hmm. according to its needs. Mm-hmm. And so that explained, you know, to me, it made a, a clear explanation. And so I asked him whether I could, uh, whether there were any activities in the area. He said, yes, there are uh, meetings that take place, and I'd be glad to take you. And so we went, and I met people there. Mm-hmm. And then it, shortly after that is when I got uh, my assignment to return to go to Officers Candidate School. So when we got back to the city, uh, to New York, I had time. I spent 15 days with my family and 15 days with the Baha'is. And at that time, I en- enrolled into the, into the Baha'i community mm-hmm. and went, went then to, uh, back to the, uh, uh, Fort Monmouth and uh, my training. And that's when I already explained that uh, I selected mm. the uh, non-combatant thing, yeah. duty and all of that was sent back overseas. So that's where I, I heard of it mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. Uh, in Japan. Okay. Yeah. Now, you told me that there was a story behind the staff sergeant in Korea. Yes. Well, the staff sergeant in Korea, when I, when I, again, I said we got back to Korea, and that's where I, uh, my last assignment, uh, in uh, Taegu, uh, I was notified by the, uh, the Baha'is that uh, there was a Baha'i in Tegu, and I made arrangements to go and see him. And so we celebrated what is known as a feast. It's a gathering, a celebration every two, 19 days mm. uh, of the 19 days of 19 months. Mm-hmm. 19 months of 19 days. And so uh, we had a, a feast uh, there, just mm. two of us, mm-hmm. and prayers, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Well, some 10 years later, uh, it turns out that um, we meet again mm. in Haifa oh. at the Baha'i World Center, where I mentioned before we, my wife and I had gone, 63 mm. to 69, mm. and his wife and he were there. And we hadn't seen ourselves in 10 years, nor had any contact, and all of a sudden we're in the same place. Mm. It was really interesting. That's really interesting. Cool. He's a, yeah. yeah. Mm. Kirby Kent is his name. Very nice guy. I asked Juan what he did at the Baha'i World Center in Haifa, Israel. Actually, the reason, the main reason that we were there was that uh, when the Supreme Body was selected, uh, the request was made by the National Spiritual Assemblies of uh, Latin America that they be able to communicate or correspond in Spanish. Well, that was fine, but they needed someone to translate. Mm. So uh, our name was suggested, and um, we said yes, and so we went. Mm-hmm. So Browley was a Spanish translator. I can mm-hmm. I can do rough translation, mm-hmm. but she actually uh, was born in Puerto Rico and mm-hmm. uh, educated there and trained and went to under college, mm-hmm. but she had a double major with uh, Spanish as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was uh, that was the main work. But then there was so much more to do. Mm-hmm. So. Whenever there was something there, I was the, the only young person, relatively speaking, who was able to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, I was the official photographer. It turned out because I, I had gone to Brooklyn Tech, I had technical background, so that was good. And I had I was a U.S. Army photographer and, and also for photographers when I was 16, and that was another thing. I was also in charge of maintenance of the holy places. Mm-hmm. I drove the pilgrim bus. Um... I uh, was in charge of uh, rental properties there at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, took care of the mail. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, well, I wore uh, actually Browley had my wife uh, had um, calculated that I wore twenty one different hats at at a time, not not at the same time, but yeah. you know, over the right. different tasks that I had. Yeah. Uh, Mm. Uh, so it was uh, it was a busy time, mm. yeah. and our son was born there, mm. and our daughter was conceived there. Born, <laughs> born <in Atlanta. laughs> That's cool. So it was quite an experience, mm. and it was uh, the beginning of a, of a developmental stage in the Baha'i faith. Mm. When the, and so it was the beginning of everything, and it was lots to do and a few people to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was. Uh, uh, it was a very good experience. It was mm. an exciting time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I asked Juan what got him interested in education. Education was always a, 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 
something that, that interested me. Mm-hmm. Not that I was a fantastic student, but I was young in history. And I remember very clearly, I'm a bad speller. Uh, that shows, so goes, there must be some correlation with something else, but anyway. <laughs> I so, usually correlate it to intelligence. That's, well. It's inversely proportional. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the worse speller you are, the more intelligent right. you are. Right. Well, I, I, I probably agree with that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it was, uh, and I remember I, uh, I, I, you know, I would, I would have liked to have taught, but I, you know, being bad speller, right on board. And that just didn't, you know, anyway, so that was sort of out of the picture until I ended up in my graduate studies here and uh, found out that uh, you don't have to be at the blackboard. You can prepare things. It's a whole different world. And spelling is not the critical thing. So it was exciting. I was really thrilled to be able to teach mm-hmm. at the university. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, and, and working with kids and, 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 you know, lots of things happened in the world. Juan describes his involvement of the beginning of bilingual education in Massachusetts. Exciting times. We were involved uh, with the bilingual education in, in the state of Massachusetts. In, in 1972, the bill was passed, and um, I was then uh, um, on the faculty. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we had a number of students uh, who had uh, Ford Foundation scholarships to study with the doctors here. One was Henry Casso, who was a um, former uh, priest. Very, very eloquent uh, uh, person. And um, he became interested in this, and together we actually were involved with the bilingual education. And um, I did a, a, a slide program for them and mm. a number of things. Uh, and in coming up with a term for what it sort of motto, uh, I suggested a two way communication, two way education. And so that became the motto. Mm. That was used, and it was very active. Mm-hmm. Uh, things have changed a little bit since then, but uh, it was an exciting time, and the education program was developed at the School of Education for this, mm-hmm. and a lot of things uh, were developed. So that was a really exciting uh, mm-hmm. aspect of being at the university mm-hmm. during that time. Mm-hmm. I asked Juan what got him interested in film. Mm-hmm. Well, I, the one thing I, I studied film, which was at the time when I was studying uh, documentary film. Um, there are very few places where you study that. And if you, when I was asked, what are you studying? He said, I said, film. And they look at me with this blank look. He said, what? And today you say film, and it's mm-hmm. the eyes open. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, Everybody, yeah that's so cool. Says, yeah. <laughs> Photography was the same thing. I actually, when I was uh, uh, going to college and before I got into film, I wanted to study photography. And the only place that studied, that uh, had a program was in the University of Texas, and I wasn't about to go to Texas. So I was with the city college in the transfer program, and that was to transfer to Rochester Institute of Technology, and because there they had in the physics program some photography courses mm. in the optics. Uh, sorry, optics. Okay, and so that's what I was doing before I went into the service, and then when I came out, I came back again to sort of follow the same route mm. and discovered that city college had a film, film institute. I said, well, that's that's a different thing. It's a motion moving picture, and the other is still pictures, you know. And so I studied film, mm. but uh, realized that uh, it's it's a tough field. It's mm. a tough field. It, I'm glad I studied it, like you know many things that people do, and uh, it's good background. But actually, working in the field is, is something else. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. I asked Juan what attracted him to the Baha'i faith. That what the Baha'i faith uh, did for me was, as I mentioned, the basic concept of progressive revelation. But also the concept of one God. That mm. I was clear about. But how could you have these various religions and the same God? It just didn't make mm. much sense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the people, that this range of people. So with, when you look at the Baha'i faith, it talks about the oneness of God, the oneness of humanity, the oneness of religion. Religion as the various stages in the development, as if you're going to educate, in, in education, in schooling, from the elementary to junior high school, high school, college, and more advanced studies. Mm-hmm. So that's the same thing as you we have as, as a concept. So that mm-hmm. all makes sense. It's easy to to understand. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's inclusive. That's very critical because if you, in many situations, you have you know we're okay, you're not okay because mm-hmm. you're not one of us, and that's not not the attitude among the highs. Mm-hmm. And so the inclusiveness and also the vision of the future. 
that uh, we are moving to a one world, mm. that we are interdependent, mm. that we are one people. I mean, we're all cousins. Mm. It's very, we're all one family. It's been proven before. It was a, as a concept, something that the Baha'i said. And now the science says it. It's mm. been proven. Mm. So that's very reinforcing and, and very uh, supportive. Mm. Uh, so mm. I think that's what, what, what I've gotten out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it may, means that wherever I go, I feel comfortable. Mm. With whomever I deal, I feel mm-hmm. comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then the, the teachings themselves give us guidance and, and, expe- and uh, there's expectations that you work toward these things. It's mm-hmm. not easy. But it is uh, rewarding, mm. and I think that's the important thing. Mm. Now that Juan's retired, I asked him what he's been doing. I retired in uh, 2000. Believe it or not, when you retire, you don't have any more time. It's still 24 hours a day. And so it's just what you use with those, do with those 24 hours. Mm. Well, with the various interests that I have in uh, technology, in film, photography, computers, uh, and I also am quite active in my community. Mm. And so all of those things together uh, fill up my time. Mm. And I just don't have enough hours <laughs> to do all the things that I would like to do and, mm-hmm. and think of doing. And, mm-hmm. and now we also have a house, so I do some repairs <laughs> and I just finished shoveling the snow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's always something to do. Okay. Very good. Well, Juan, thank you very much. I, I appreciate you taking the time out. To... My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Juan Caban, a Baha'i who lives in Amherst, Massachusetts, who studied film, got a master's in audiovisual instruction at Columbia University, and his Ph.D. in educational technology at UMass. He was the associate director of undergraduate admissions at UMass for 20 years. If you want information on the Baha'i faith specifically, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org that's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G. Or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
there's always more When will there be a time to Consequences if we don't make the time to love. Now's the time to pay attention. Yes, now is the time to.
associate therefore in this great human garden even as flowers grow and blend together side by side
You are listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. <laughs> 